Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's been a while, Diener. Yo, what's up? Got my I got my regular co-host back. I know. I feel like your new co-host did a good job, though. Yeah, she was pretty good. She's pretty good. She's pretty good. The, the reviews so far have been high. Diener's dad. Diener's dad. Diener's dad excelled. <laughs> that was so cute, man. Her little face when she like realized she was she said Diener's dad, not Diener's daughter. She was like, oh, and her eyes got big, and I was just like, don't worry, don't worry. And then I thought, oh, maybe we'll just re-record it. And I was like, no, it's so perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to last week's episode uh, with Dr. Pamela Ferguson. It was amazing awesome. episode. As amazing as the episode was, the co-host that introed the podcast was top of the top of the class. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't find someone better. <laughs> so be sure to tune in. It's amazing. It was pretty good. It was good. Yeah. Loads of fun. So staying on that theme, uh, yes. spoiler, co-host was uh, Diener's dad, a.k.a. his older daughter, Naya. <laughs> um, this week we jammed on uh, climate change uh, for families, for kids. Yeah. Uh, it's something that we think about a lot, having, uh, you know, each of us have two kids. Um, and a lot of our motivation, inspiration is um, making decisions that allow them to live a life that is, you know, climate friendly clean air, clean water, not these, uh, you know, crazy heat waves, uh, forest fires, floods every year, extreme weather conditions. Um, We want our our children to, you know, live a good life with a good climate. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of our inspiration. Speaking for... You as well. Yeah, no. As Tina's other dad. We're, we're aligned. A surprise. Shocking, shocking turn of events. We agree. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of armchaired it and uh, just shared some thoughts that we thought could be empowering to making uh, climate impactful decisions uh, yeah. in your day-to-day life. Yeah. And just like fun stories too of like things that we've tried and things that we do with, with like our families. And, you know, I think... Um, we often want to do the big, the big thing yes. to make the most impact, but really, it's always just yeah. small, small little efforts, like yeah. in in community, that end up making the biggest yeah. impact. But but you shared something, Zach, that was super cool because we often think about what can we do to like help the environment. Like we have to save the planet, right? We yes. grew, we grew up on Captain Planet. Yes. he's our hero, going to take pollution down to zero. But this this mentality is like we have to we have to look after and save the planet. And that is a hundred percent true and not wrong, but share, cause I, this is, I think pretty, pretty cool. Pretty mind blowing. Yeah. I was listening to Darren Oline. Um, amazing. He's got an amazing podcast, amazing individual. Definitely follow him. 
and he was just talking about the the marketing and the language around climate change and and the idea that we need to be the savior. Um, But the truth is that uh, we should almost rephrase it as save the human race Mm. uh, because that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to save humanity. We're trying to save human beings and our civilizations and, and ourselves. We're trying to save ourselves because the truth is, is the earth is going to be fine. Uh, we're just going to, if we continue on this path, uh, we're going to lead to our own extinction and make the planet un- uninhabitable for human beings. But planet Earth, nature, a lot of animals are going to be just fine and uh, planet Earth will recover in, in a minute without us. Totally. So the truth is that we need to make these decisions not only to save the Earth. I mean, there, as I mentioned, the Earth will be fine, but we need to make these decisions to save the human race. Yeah, which when you put it that way and you kind of flip who who is in peril, yes. and it's not necessarily the planet, but it's us. Yes. And then you think, you know, we, we all can just remember to two years ago when the world stopped because of COVID and we started seeing, you know, the canals in like Italy were clear and there was like, and I don't know if it was like dolphins or something, but there's like all this like marine life returning that people thought, oh, it was just like so over polluted with boat traffic and all this stuff. And now it was like clear, people could see it and, you know, pollution was way down and just the way that the world started to bounce back, even in the absence of just normal activity for six months to a year was pretty dramatic and kind of goes to the point that like the world will recover. Yes. Like the world will be fine. What's the, what's the, um, the Jurassic park line nature will find a way, (laughs) right? Like it's just, it's, Without it being dramatic, like it's just the truth, yes. right? Like a, you look around too at, the, at a cityscape, like a building that's kind of been in disrepair or abandoned for the better part of a year, two years, like it's all overgrown. Yeah, the concrete has cracks in it, and you know, or greenery at, is pushing up through the yeah. concrete. These soft little leaves are moving concrete, like it's amazing. Have you seen any of the photos or, or documentation of Chernobyl now? Crazy, yeah, so wild. It's it's wild. It's like nature has healed yeah too i mean there's still toxic implications but nature has retaken that city and, yeah. and it's like a it's wild it's well there's life wild. there's life there again there's life there it's again. maybe not like safe yeah yet in terms of like the, the the levels of everything but like it is wild to think that even after such like a yeah nuclear whatever experience yeah. like that that life will flourish yes <laughs> nature found its way it did so pretty wild to reframe it as yes. like this is, we're not doing this to save the whales or save the trees or anything like that that's like the benefit of taking action to save ourselves yes Crazy. so take that autonomy and that responsibility and that empowerment that we are all our own players our own superheroes in this quest to save the human race yeah the planet earth will will be fine but our own destiny is kind of up to us yeah in the true captain planet way boom there we go there you go some things to think about and uh this episode will give you i'm sure lots more to consider to try on to test out and you know always if you find cool ways that you're doing it like let us know right yes. we just want to continue to to learn and grow and share what's good all right let's go we're here for a little 
solo cast. I guess it's not really solo because there's two of us. Yeah, but we're kind of the we're kind of like we're one. Two peas in a pod. We're, there's unity. Yeah, yeah, we're it's yeah one one pod two peas. Yeah, <laughs> solo pea pod cast. <laughs> the solo pea podcast. I'm Zach, and I'm here with hey, it's Dean. We're gonna do a little jam on. The good old climate change today. Yeah, we've talked about it before. It was actually, I think it was our other kind of solo cast. We did one. We were talking about about the climate and like how we can, you know, as citizens engage with it and become more aware of it. And um, honestly, like it was really meaningful and fun for us to do because it's something that we care deeply about. And it comes up in many of our conversations, but it was kind of fun just to carve out some time to talk about it and to share from like our perspective, some of the things we're hoping, learning, wondering about. Um, and also, you know, uh, creating space to like think through it for ourselves. Like it was, we, we left that conversation being like, oh man, that was actually like clarifying for us. And then got some really good feedback from a lot of you saying that you really appreciated it and enjoyed it. And so, so that's awesome. So we're back again. Back again. Talking on, talking on the climate. More climate talk. And, and as Dean said, this is, is very much just a, a conversation um, that we're sharing, that we're, we're recording on the pod, um, where we'll just kind of go through some thoughts that we've had. And, uh, you know, we'd love to get feedback from yourself. Yeah. Uh, you, the listener, on, on thoughts you've had on climate change. Uh, our focus today is, is climate change for kids. Yeah. We're both parents, and as concerned citizens um, for the future of the earth and and future of humanity, uh, I think that that concern is is amplified once you have children. Totally. And uh, as a parent, you know, I want my my children to have um, the same rights and privileges that we've uh, enjoyed in terms of clean air and and clean water and abundant forests that are becoming less and less abundant every day and I think we're kind of at this tipping point where we have to start to look at what's happening and and put our actions where our values are and start to make decisions that are going to start to tip those scales towards an earth-friendlier existence. Right yeah and I mean I don't think you have to be a parent to care about climate change and you don't have to be a parent to care about like climate change for kids because really you just want what we've experienced for future generations. And so, yeah, please, uh, please know this is not like uh, hey, the prerequisite is like having procreated and looking after these little humans you've, you've, you've uh, brought into the world, but simply just knowing that like, it's our collective future. Right. And many of us are hoping and wanting and living in such a way that we're going to hopefully be around here for a while. And so even just like longevity and protecting the climate, you know, for the rest of our lives, but certainly for, for those that are coming after us, whether they're ours or just part of the greater collective us of humanity. Um, you know, some tips and tricks. And the reality is, is that it doesn't have to be, you know, these things are like kid friendly, I think that we've kind of, you know, we'll jam on, but really they're for all of us there. We can, we can quickly and easily just kind of like tweak them. Yeah. And instead of it being something for a kid, it, it simply could be for us bigger kids you can repurpose toys to your aritzia and lulu lemon orders and that's right your allowance to your paycheck and all sorts of things so feel free to you know move this up the ladder a few a few uh 
generations if, if need be. The That's same, right. same ideas apply. That's right. So yeah, this is just kind of us free, free flowing, free, freestyling uh, as concerned citizens, concerned parents that uh, want to live in, in harmony with uh, with our planet and, and the inhabitants that we, we share it with. So yeah. um, it kind of started my, my, my oldest son, Finn. Uh, he'll be five um, in the fall. And uh, he was asking me about climate change. Mm. And um, at first I was a little bit nervous to to chat with him about it because it can be kind of intimidating or scary or our doom and gloom. But uh, I was really surprised how intuitive and optimistic and, and uh, enthused he was to want to be this kind of warrior to help kind of, I don't know if protect the earth is the right, right term, but love the earth. You know, yeah. he wanted to be a, an ally for the earth. Um, and, the things that we we do that create harm were very obvious to him. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, well, if a four-year-old can <laughs> understand this and comprehend it and then have conversation about it, he, he started to talk about it at school and with the grandparents. If a four-year-old can comprehend this and engage in conversation with it, I'm like, this is a conversation that we should all be having with our kids. That should be a part of the school curriculum. If you're an adult listening to this, it can be part of your, you know, your your business, um, you know, conversations that you're having at work or mm-hmm. within your social circles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a conversation we should all be having because that's usually where action starts. Yeah, yeah. And kids are so naturally curious, right? So they always ask us questions like, why are you doing that? Or why do you do this? And, you know, <laughs> sometimes you're just tired and you're like, just because, right? And you want them to just, you know... <laughs> not be so curious but we always want to foster that and if i think there's so many ways that you can simply just like tie it back to like our actions back to like why do we do this well it's better for like the environment so oh like dad the compost is so stinky like why why does it have to smell so bad right and it could be like oh it just does like it's old food but then it's like no that's a teachable moment of like oh that's like old food and like green material, like breaking down. And actually that becomes like really good compost for soil. And like, you know, it's going to be full of like microorganisms and you can have these kind of conversations and, you know, for, it it leads to more questions, obviously, what's a microorganism? And like, you don't have to know all of the answers. That's the thing. I think sometimes we're intimidated and if we don't know, we'll just say, ah, don't worry about it. It doesn't, it's too hard to explain or something. But like, I don't know. I think like those are always moments like i'm all i'm always looking for the teachable moments in life for myself and for others and to say well i don't know like let's let's like look it up like what are microorganisms and why are they important and how can we like protect them through compost or how can we enhance them through compost and then like you and your kids can sit down at the ipad or the computer or smartphone or whatever and like five minutes of your life you know, you're connecting with your kids over something as simple as like, why does the banana peel go in this, you know, green can? And why is it different than recycling and different than trash? You've all learned something and the kids feel like more connected or have this deeper understanding of of food and, you know, compost and all of this stuff. And I think that those moments are so naturally baked into just the rhythms of life that we do, right? Even the other day, like taking trash and recycling and stuff down, uh, to our communal kind of like uh, garbage recycling room, 
you know, we had heaps of stuff. The kids helped carry things down, right? Because we'd be just like hadn't been hadn't been getting rid of stuff, you know, in a <laughs> daily manner. But this the conversation was like, wow, there was one bag of trash and, you know, boxes and compost and like all of the stuff that we carried down, one small bag of it went into the garbage and the rest of it was all. And I was like, girls, like, look, that's so good, right? Most of our stuff is not going to the landfill. And I was like, years ago, like when I was a kid and even before, everything just went to the landfill. And they're like, what's a landfill? So right, those little conversations you can talk about and, you know, reframe or frame their world in a way that just makes sense about like, we got we to gotta protect the planet that we have. Absolutely. I love that. Progress, progress, progress. And I think if we all kind of contribute to those small actionable steps, you know, the big things are possible. Uh, one thing that I was thinking about the other day, I might have heard it on a podcast or read it somewhere, but we're the only species that creates waste. Hmm. If we were the only thing in, in, on planet Earth that creates waste. Right. Uh, nature is, you know, sustainable and animals are sustainable everything is is regenerates Mm -hmm. you know trees don't create waste and other animals don't create waste and other species don't create waste it's it's specifically a a human issue problem right um addiction of of you know creating waste through consumption um and i think we used to be connected because i mean I, i think one great example of this is when we were might have shared this previously, but when we were traveling in India, um, the trains are so such a spectac- spectacular way to see the country, and it's they're so beautiful, and and um, you kind of we've gotten to this point where you kind of see these mountains of of plastic bottles mm. that line the train tracks everywhere because uh, people just throw the plastic bottles out out the window, and it's really not the fault of of the the people of India that are living there, uh, maybe the government government needs to do a better job educating. But for forever, the history was that all of the the products were biodegradable. You know, you'd get your food and and these clay kind of bowls, and the lassie cups would be made out of clay as well. And when you were done, you would or be in banana leaf or or something that was made from nature. Right. So when you were done, you would just throw it out the window because it would biodegrade. It was made of nature and it would return to nature. So that was the the learned behavior because there was there wasn't this concept of waste because everything was made from nature. Mm-hmm. And we uh Westerners introduced plastic uh, you know, and and sold it globally and um you know, offered the convenience of, of safe drinking water but lacked the education that these bottles are not in fact biodegradable like the actions that you've taken for generations and centuries. Um, so a lot of a lot of cultures were for centuries were until until recently really, you know, created everything that was was biodegradable that could return to nature and we've gotten far from that and kind of live in this era of excess excess packaging uh, with everything and um, we haven't created the the structure or framework and you know I used that example in India but it's it's the same here like you know we live here in, in Vancouver or, or Richmond and like we still don't have proper facilities for biodegradable compostable plastics our recycling facilities are are you know 
do some good, but there's a lot of greenwashing involved. Like there's like, I think six numbers that you see at the bottom of your plastics. Yeah. Like all, all, the, all the recycling numbers, right? And only three of them are actually recyclable, but they're all able to use the recycling logo. So there's like all these, these kind of sneaky steps that make you, that allow us to believe that we're contributing to sustainable practices, but it's just really marketing. So our, our city here in Vancouver, um, you know, in Canada, there's the same issues, um, not to point blame at other countries. We have the same issues here mm-hmm. in our own backyard. Alas, let's get into some steps for kids. I think this can be a fun thing to empower um, and educate and, and kind of gamify uh, bringing love to, to our earth so that it can be a place that uh, sustains our human existence for eons to come. Right. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's good to, to, to jump into it. Cause like, that's the, that's things like, how do we, okay. So, so what? Yeah. Most most people are on board. Yes. Right. We got, we got to do something. Yep. We're in this like climate emergency, but like, okay, what can, what are the things that we can do or how do we empower our kids or talk to our kids about it or young people about it in a way that's like practical, actionable and not like overwhelming, but can even be like kind of fun, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Make it fun. So what do we got, Zach? Okay. So Dean, I want this like new shirt because school's starting soon and I want all the coolest, latest fashion. Right. What do we do? Well, I mean... I think that culture is shifting actually where like fast fashion and you know new tags and all this like obviously whatever it has its appeal but more and more like I'm in a high school environment a lot and I see uh, a lot like thrifting is actually what's cool which like is so awesome right yes I think that's so rad Um, so yeah like buying clothes secondhand or like even even uh, like a clothes exchange. There's so many like websites and stuff out there now that you can, you can find and buy and sell used items that it's a whole nother kind of economy, but it's, it's closer to like a shared economy or a sharing economy. And you can find like awesome stuff that's like new. And, you know, I, I don't know, like when I was a kid, I got a lot of hand-me-downs and I got a lot of, you know, new to me kind of stuff. And it still felt new, right? And like, I think if we just value, you know, doing our part and looking after the environment more than like something that's just shiny and brand new, like it's a it's a, a good win for everyone. You can still find what's cool. You can still find what's current and trendy and, uh, or even like better, better off, like choose your own style. Choose just stuff that you like be and unique. wear that. Be you. Yeah, be you, right? There's only one you. Yeah, we don't all need the same Oshkosh Bagosh and Nike and all that if we can, you know, be our unique selves. That's yeah. so exciting. Something to celebrate. And I think buying secondhand is so easy now. And you can really get whatever you want, whether that's like I've been kind of into like vintage marathon shirts lately and I've been hitting up the Poshmark and right. the Facebook marketplace. And they're like the option. It's so exciting. It feels like treasure to like discover these things, like way more excitement than I would get from like going to a Nike store or something like that. Yeah. Um, because they're unique and they're cool and they tell a story and there's like a history to them. So I think like for kids and for yourself, like 
Facebook Marketplace, Poshmark, thrift stores. Like it's so exciting to discover the brands that you you like, or just you know find things that are, are treasure. Yeah. Um, well, and I don't know about you, but like I remember certainly in in school and stuff like it was kind of awkward and almost like embarrassing when you showed up with like the same shirt oh, yeah. as someone else. 100%. Even and the same really, shoes. You're yeah, like, you're like, oh man. Tommy's like, got the same shoes as me. Right. And so if you're out like re, you know, repurposing clothing and like finding your own stuff, like there's way more likelihood that like you're going to be the only person like rocking that. Yeah. Right. And I think that's like, I don't know. I think it's cool. It's cool in so many ways. One, it's like a conversation piece and you can kind of bring climate change into it. Right. Be like, yo, Dean, where'd you get that super cool shirt? I've never seen something like that. Well, I got it thrifted. Yeah. You know, I saved a bunch of money and it's good for the climate because yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, bringing a second life to something that could have showed up in a landfill. Mm-hmm. So it's, you're saving money and you can find all the brands like if you go look up Nike, Rain Champ, whatever you're into, like it's all there's a huge secondhand market for everything. Yeah. Uh you can, you know, be be yourself. Totally. Find your own find your own lane. Yeah. You know what what else is awesome? Uh just while we're kind of like jamming on like clothing and stuff is like, you know, I know your boys are are a little bit younger than ours, but like they're coming into the stage where there's like kind of the team organized sports and stuff. And so our girls have played baseball and hockey and skating and this kind of stuff. I'm right? just trying to like expose them to a lot of different like athletic pursuits and show them team sports and, you know, these skills, right? And, and energy burns, right? But we've been able to find like we haven't bought anything new That's in terms awesome. of like sports equipment, right? Because you can find – because kids – they grow so fast that you buy a new pair of cleats or whatever. And then, you know, by the end of the season, they're too small. And so it's been so nice to be able to go to these, you know, in Vancouver, at least there's handy, there's like a, well, it's called cheap skates down oh, on yeah. Dunbar there. Like, <laughs> like shout out to cheap skates, <laughs> but like we went and got hockey skates for our kids there and like they're, they're on consignment. So it's way cheaper because they've been used by, you know, four to six year old kids they're like lightly used they still look brand new and they're a fraction of the price and they're great like you know you bought these used pair of skates that if we bought them in store we we would never have bought them because it would be way too expensive and so you know even even in terms of sporting like getting kids into sports like there's so many there's so many um accessible entry points because you know for families too cost is a real thing and like you've got your you got to pay for your league fees or you know your registration fees for whatever it is you're doing and then you've got to go out and if it's something like ice skating you're looking at like mitts and a glove you know like uh jackets snow pants and you can like find all that stuff right and so we just found places like that cheapskates for cleats and gloves and all that it's it's been so awesome Another fun one, just kind of jamming on this, is repurposing clothing. So, like, take find a print, that, find a shirt you like, Ooh, and yeah. and uh, add something unique to it. Add something that's you. Like, uh, you know, I'm using a, a grown up example here, but our one of our favorite brands, Satisfy Running, mm. uh, they'll take old marathon shirts and they'll rescreen print, repossessed over them, and create something like brand new and exciting yeah. out of old vintage shirts. So I think like. Same locally, I've seen Sarah Shabakon do that with her new, I'm kind of forgetting the name of her new kids line, but she's like finding these incredible 
um, basics and she's like, her kids are drawing on them with like fabric markers and stuff like that and making these like thrift finds, these like super cool, unique, one of a kind articles of clothing. Yeah. So you can repurpose them. It's really like, you know, just buy a second hand. It's got everything you could ever want. Totally. And even uh, even like taking the purchasing out of it, like we're we're here and there's like literally in my living room right now, there's a bin full of clothes that our kids w- wore, and like half of them have been you know given to us or you know people buy you lots of stuff, kid you know aunties and uncles and whatever friends, grandmas, grandpas like buy lots of clothes for the kids, and you know they wear them for <laughs> a season because then they grow and they're still really good, they're still in good quality and you know, whatever, maybe the easiest thing is just to like chuck them, get rid of them. But again, like those textiles, they've got a lot of plastics, microplastics in them. It's just the nature of our world. And they just end up in landfill. But like, you know, we're fortunate. We have so many friends with, with kids coming up behind us. And so like, we've got these, like I said, these bins in our living room full of clothes that we know, oh yeah, you've got, you've got a daughter. Well, Hey, like we've got outfits for you (laughs) for the next seven years. I guess it's as simple as like, and, and Ayla, my wife is way better at this than me, but just like organizing the bins by, you know, oh, this is the three to six month bin. This is the one to two year bin and kind of putting everything in. And of course she's like super organized. So it's like often by season, here's the winter stuff. Here's the fall stuff. And you just like literally pass it off to the next person and they've got it. And like I say, it's like so lightly used that you can just like pass it off and it feels good. Like you're like, oh man. And then you see, you know, whatever our friend's little kid running around in something that like our girls used to run around and you're like, oh man, that's so, I can't believe they used to fit in that. So it gives it a second life, but it also just like, it's so cool because it kind of like stays, stays in the, stays in the community, stays in the broader family, you know? And it's simple. It's so simple. Just like take it out of the closet, put it in the bin. And then when the bin is full, label it and then ship it off to like whoever needs it or don't, or donate it. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'm just on the True Cost, um, great movie on the True Cost fashion. Oh, yeah. TrueCostMovie.com. Uh, just going to share a few facts before we move on to number two on our list. Um, disposable clothing, the environmental impact. So the world now consumes about 80 billion new pieces of clothing every year. This is 400% more than the amount we consumed just two decades ago. As new clothing comes into our lives, we also discard it at a shocking pace. The average American now generates 82 pounds of textile waste each year. That adds up to more than 11 million tons of textile waste from the U.S. alone. Historically, clothing has been something we have held on to for a long time, but with cheap clothing now abundantly available, we are beginning to see the things we wear as disposable. Um, And then cotton. Cotton represents nearly half of the total fiber used to make clothing today. More than 90% of the cotton is now genetically modified using vast amounts of water as well as chemicals. Cotton production is now responsible for 18% of worldwide pesticide use and 25% of total insecticide use. The largely untested impacts of these chemicals on both the land and human health are beginning to be questioned by those working in, in the industry. As our skin is the largest organ, these chemicals are passed into the bloodstream of the people wearing these clothes. And lastly, leather, you know, we can get into a long list of why leather is bad, but leather production is increasingly linked to a variety of environmental and human health hazards. The amount of feed, land, water, and fossil fuels used to raise livestock for leather production comes at a huge cost for the health of our world. 
In addition to raising the livestock needed, the leather tanning process is among the most toxic in all of fashion supply chain. Workers are exposed to harmful chemicals on the job while the waste generated pollutes natural water sources leading to increased disease for surrounding areas. Studies, studies have found that leather tannery workers are at a far greater risk of cancer by between 20 to 50%. Mm. And uh, they've got a few um, buying better steps. Uh, question to ask yourself, will you wear it at least 30 times? Uh, the rapid turnover of trends characterizing fast fashion means clothes are disposable. So look for things that you think you'll wear at least 30 times. Uh, break the cycle, the tradition of spring, summer, autumn, winter of international uh, fashion weeks is just for show um you can wear stuff you know norm you can wear a shirt that you wear in the summer as a as a base layer in the winter totally it's not a big deal slow down your fashion cycle yeah uh spread your fashion dollars the global fashion industry is worth two and a half trillion dollars should this be shared look for producer-centric brands like people tree that run uh, rigorous fair trade standards. So look for brands that have fair trade standards that are making eco-friendly fashion. Um, so these are a few few steps that they have uh, in terms of their fashion choices. Yeah, I think that's really good. I mean, it's it can be it can be tough again. Like if we're talking like more about kids, because like I said before, they grow so fast that it feels like I'll just buy what's cheapest. And because they're only going to wear it a handful of times anyway yes. before it's too small for them or it gets wrecked, right? Kids are hard on clothes. They just, that's just how it is. And so there is, it's so convenient to just buy the cheapest. And and that's, that's the reality for so many of us, right? It's like, you got to get what's cheapest. But if you factor in, you know, the environmental cost and the long-term cost and even like the human cost of these things of wearing these, these fabrics and stuff like it's, it's compelling then to like spend a little bit more for like a higher quality product that has some of these like checks and balances in terms of it's what is actually in it, how it's being produced, how it's affecting the people producing it. And then knowing that like those will get, a longer life and you can either a donate them or like snap a picture and load it up to your Virage or Facebook marketplace and recoup some of the cost after it's been worn by one or two or three of your kids and then make back a little bit. Right. So it's kind of like what, what you would spend on a shirt that you would just throw away. Like you would spend a little bit more, have a shirt that lasts longer and then be able to like sell it at the end. Cause it's like a good quality shirt that someone would buy. Like you've probably made up the difference in cost, right? And you've done a better job of protecting the environment your child. And like, you know, try to live by the adage of like buy, buy less, but pay more. And just like, if you're going to get something new, like source it. And is it coming from a good source? And, you know, I've for a long time been guilty of, like the fast fashion and then seeing that documentary like really kind of helped me realize like oh this is not sustainable and this is not good for me or the environment and trying to make those make those changes right it's really simple but it can be it can be challenging yep and if you want those fast fa fashion options you know look look for the secondhand versions because mm -hmm. they're there the the fashion cycle is just as quick secondhand as it is uh from the store. Yeah. All right. Number two. You ready for number two? Let's do it. It's kind of the same theme, but buy my toy secondhand. Mm -hmm. um, 
this was, you know, having having young kids that want everything. They see a show and they want all the new toys and they want all the all the new things that their friends have. Like marketplace, Facebook marketplace, Craigslist is unbelievable. You can get absolutely everything. Like you're saying, kids go through sports stuff quickly. They go through toys just as quickly. Yeah. I remember last Christmas looking up like my Finn was really into Toy Story at the time. Toy Story toys on marketplace and it was like way cooler than all the stuff they had at Toys R Us because it was like generation one Toy Story that nobody else had. And when his friends saw it, they're like, where did you get that? I've never seen that before. And I was able to get all these amazing, cool things um, that were, you know, had been passed down a few times um, at a great price that my son loved. So I think like, and same with Lego, like Lego's timeless. Totally, yeah. Um, Whatever your kids are into, there's like, an overabundance of any of those categories online yeah. for secondhand. And same with thrift. Like um, my wife went to the thrift store with our younger son the other day and he was like blown away by the toys there. Like it was like the best thing. It was better than Toys R Us or anything yeah. in his mind. It was like endless and he could touch them because there was no packaging. Um, yeah. So just like the clothes, look for secondhand options for your toys. Yeah. Totally. Lots, it's out there. And share. Like, like yeah. toy toy exchanges are cool. Obviously, like, you know, if you're someone who has little people, there are certain toys that are like, they're just most cherished possession, right? And they love them. But then we all know, like, you know, there's, there's usually like, a, there's an abundance of toys that kind of get neglected. They don't get played with that much. So those are the kind of things too, where like, you know, if you're in a circle of people who have young kids like you what's more exciting than like new toys coming into the house so why why not box up some of the ones that your kids like don't really play with and then do a swap and just say hey like let's let's exchange you know some toys like you got some that you don't play with we got some and then just like switch them and then each household gets a new box of toys that is kind of like new and exciting for a while and it's it's just simply like a trade and then again right as kids outgrow certain things and they don't play with the little you know wood puppy that they can pull around everywhere and then it's like yeah that goes down the line to like the next kid but there's so many creative ways that are just simple and right in front of us that instead of just okay it's spring cleaning day like let's just like chuck all this stuff right it's as simple as just like oh maybe like maybe we could do a toy exchange and so little 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 things like that that can again make you know a bigger impact all right and be fun for the kiddos yeah yeah it's always Keep it fun. Toys are fun. Secondhand yeah. toys are just as fun as firsthand toys. Yeah. Or the other thing, I guess, that we've done too with our kids is around like birthdays or like, you know, gift giving times of the year. It's different depending on everyone's like culture and tradition. But like for us around Christmas, we know they're going to get, you know, not as much now, but certainly when they're younger, they're going to get a lot of like new things, right? New stuff. It's just kind of the, in some ways the unfortunate reality of that time of year. Um, but A like getting your kid having the conversation with your kids about like how do we share what we have and recognizing like the privilege that like not all kids get like new stuff all the time and how lucky and fortunate we are to be in a position where like you have family and friends and parents that like get you stuff right and then so for them to be able to choose things that they have loved but maybe don't play with as much anymore and and make a note about like hey, let's like package these up because there's lots of like toy drives and stuff all year, but certainly around, you know, Christmas and, and you know, the, the holiday season. 
and say like, why don't we choose some things that are like in really good shape or like still almost new and like donate those so that like someone who isn't as fortunate as you can like receive something that's like a really great toy that, you know, would be, they'd be happy and excited to, to receive. So that's one thing. And the other thing that we've done is like have the kind of like challenging and sometimes awkward conversations with like the family and the friends and the relatives of like, listen, we live in a small space. We don't need or want stuff. Let's do an experience, like an experience. Like let's go, you know, if you want to get something for the girls or get something like, let's go take them bowling or buy them like a swimming pass. And then that's like, you know, 10, 10 goes at the pool. Like that's amazing. Cause then we don't have to buy it. Right. If you want to get them a gift, they're going to love it. And so it's like more experience based, right? And less about like, oh, here we got you this thing because it's, you know, this day on the calendar. So we got you a thing. It's like, no, let's do like more experiences, right? Get them a, get them a, a pass to science world or something, right? Where they can go and explore and learn and grow. So much more memorable too. Like yeah. sharing an experience with those that you love. Yeah. Count me in. Yeah. I think touching on the birthday parties as well. Um, mm. This is a bit of a tough one. Because uh, it's it's such a um, kind of learned behavior, especially here in North America, of like kind of these uber wasteful birthday celebrations. Yeah. Um, so it, I think starts with a conversation, but you know, potentially asking friends to bring gifts that are homemade or secondhand or regifted. Um, I think you can kind of create a fun narrative around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be new in a box to be awesome. And to allow, you know, others to have amazing memories and experiences with those either handmade or, or regifted or secondhand toys. Yeah. Um, so I think like that can be like a fun challenge and conversation starter. If you're having a, a party for your kids in the invite, be like, hey, we're, you know, Johnny doesn't need any new gifts this year. If you'd like to bring a gift or, you know, they probably are bringing a gift because that's just how things usually are. But if you can, if you can bring a gift that is secondhand, regifted, or handmade, um, that would be amazing, and this is why. Then maybe, you know, you can have a little bit of a domino effect of, like, birthday parties being these sustainable gifting Mm -hmm. events. Mm -hmm. Um, I think including the whys, like, a nice little part to kind of invite people in rather than kind of being like, oh, that's weird, why are they doing that? Yeah, lead, lead with the why, right? The other thing I've saw, seen that's really cool, and we've done it a couple times too with our kids. You know, obviously there's been a bit of been a bit of a birthday party hiatus for the last couple of years, um, but things are coming back. And it was like the idea of like the Toonie party, right? So you get invited to the birthday, and it just says like no gifts, uh, but if you'd like to or want to, you can bring like a Toonie. So the kids like would make up a card and like tape a Toonie or two into the card. And the idea behind that was like instead of a bunch of like, you know, families going out and spending like 20 or $30 on a gift and bringing it to this kid. Cause oftentimes too, there's like a lot of birthday parties. And so if you can seem like for at least a season, every weekend is like somebody's birthday party and it can get really expensive, right? If you feel this like cultural obligation to buy a new gift each week, it's like, Oh man, this is like adding up. The Toonie party is awesome because it's like you bring this $2, you know, amount, give it to the kid. And then the idea was like, they would collect all of those $2 from the 10 or however many kids are invited to their party. And then that kid could go to the toy store or wherever they wanted with their, 
you know, amount of money, 20, $30, whatever it comes up to, and they can choose something that they like. Right. And so it's like, instead of 10 gifts, they get like maybe one thing, which is still special and awesome. And they can choose and they're part of it. And it's like all of their friends contributed to it. And so that's really cool. And then even one other thing they said is like, I've seen families too, where they say, Hey, we're going to do a toonie party. And like half of the money the the child has chosen is going to be donated to children's hospital or something that matters to them. Right. Which I think is awesome because it teaches kids like you can receive and give at the same time. So just some like, again, right. Really simple ways to, to make a, make an impact have conversation with parents, with other families, with your kids about like why, like the why behind choosing these things. Always lead with the why. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I was always manic as a kid around Christmas and birthdays. Like it was all about like quantity versus quality. Like the first present could have been the greatest, but I'd be like stressed about like what's next, like what's in the next box, what's in the next box. And then when it was over, I'd like crash because like I had like, all these gifts yeah. and you know, there were too many to really spend the the time and attention on like any given one. So maybe I'd play with three or four of them and the rest would go into a box to be forgotten. Yeah. You know, so yeah, the Toonie idea is great. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay. The next one is one that I really like, uh, cause it's a conversation starter and mm. I think, you know, action can, can start with these conversations conversations and it's ask my school and teachers what they're doing for climate change and that can be like really any adults in your in your kids circle yeah teachers the school you know leaders whether they're community centers or grandparents um ask them what they're doing for climate change yeah i think uh you know we can be um you know unconscious to a lot of things uh are consciously unconscious in Mm. some cases and it just takes a conversation for those light bulbs to kind of go off and think about oh like what what can we do like what are our options um i think if our our children are 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 challenging these conversations and bringing them up then they can hopefully inspire change up the food ladder Mm -hmm. totally the food chain yeah yeah and i would even say like being in an education environment like there's lots of waste. It's just, it's part of it. But there are so many things that you can do to minimize that, right? Um, and so like when students are asking their teachers, right? It's that next measure of like thinking of like, oh yeah, hey, like how could, even if it's simple, like how can we reduce the waste in our classroom? And that could be like a class activity, right? There's lots of things that like, you know, in, especially like at elementary school age where it's like you you can have a lot of fun doing these activities as a group, right? Whether it's like, okay, if everyone does their cleanup job today, we get a whatever, you know, uh, what are they called? Like cotton ball, colored cotton ball in the gumball machine. And when the gumball machine is full, because we've all contributed to our classroom duties or whatever, we get a special day or we get a afternoon, whatever it could be, right? Yeah, gamify it. Exactly. And so if you say for kids like, if the kids are bringing it forward, the students are saying, Hey, like, how can we reduce waste? Then like the teacher is going to look around and might say, Hey, yeah, how can we? Okay. Like we recycle, we do this, we have our compost. Like what else could we do? How could we reuse more paper or supplies or whatever? So there's so many things that can be led from just like that curiosity and that questioning of like, what are we, how does our classroom like helping with climate change? Yeah. I think it's just like repurposing those habits and finding ways to make our habits 
sustainable and fun and inspiring because we can take bad habits and make them good or take unconscious habits and make them conscious. Totally. Um, so I think, yeah, having conversations will just kind of illuminate things and we can have that lens and apply it to our, our decision making and see where we can bring more intention Yeah, and see where we can be a little less harmful. Yeah. Cause one of the ways, you know, I think about it and I see it like in our situation, you know, in, in the kind of class class that I'm in, um, is like, uh, you know, there's food, kids bring lunches, kids forget cutlery they open their thermos and they're like oh i have spaghetti but like mom or dad or like lost my fork right and so the simple solution simple solution is like oh here take a plastic one right and we give we give out these plastic forks and the kid eats with them for seven minutes and then it gets tossed into the garbage right maybe into the recycling but it's probably got one of those non-recycling numbers on it and fun fact We've all used them, plastic forks and knives. Every plastic knife and fork you have ever used in your life still exists. That's crazy. That's crazy, right? Every single one. Uh, In the US, 40 billion plastic utensils per year are used and end up in a landfill. And like most of the other single-use plastics in our life, they have a functional lifespan of like 15 to 30 minutes on average, right? Water bottle, plastic fork, whatever it might be, plastic plate or whatever. And so like in in our schools, you know, we we have a lot of these things because it's convenient, I suppose. Maybe uh, on one level, it's arguably cheaper than buying like metal or wood, like compostable, actually like compostable. So you could throw it in the compost. It's made of wood. It will biodegrade or made of bamboo or whatever. But like those are ways that we could, we could make a simple change, right? The plastic cutlery that we often see at, at lunches or whatever. And I mean, that's just, that's crazy. I saw, I, um, a while ago I saw an Instagram post too, where it was like broke down, all of the steps and kind of like carbon requirements and weird things it took to make a plastic fork. And it was like just an obscene amount of chemicals and time and heat and waste and energy. And it was like all to produce a fork that you will use for like five minutes and throw away simply because you didn't want to wash a fork. And it just kind of like, it was like, oh my gosh, yeah, like a metal fork, you have to rinse it and wash it. It takes 30 seconds out of your life. But like the economic value of this plastic fork and the environmental impact of this plastic fork, which like once you're done, you'll toss and it will never, it'll just exist. It's like, oh my gosh, that's insane. Crazy. So, and that could go for like birthday parties and stuff too, right? We often just say, oh, it's so much easier. We'll just do plastic and everything. And it's like, okay, if you want disposable or like one-time use, get the little wooden ones. Or just like wash them after, throw them in the dishwasher, right? Absolutely. A couple couple rounds of the dishwasher, you know. Away you go. Away we go. Without, without pre-rinsing them. Yeah. Don't pre-rinse them. Throw them in the dishwasher with your cascade, right? Yeah, there we, we go. We did an episode on dishwashers. and uh, Anyway. there's uh, If you want to get into plastics and recycling, there's a great uh, Darren Olean episode on the Darren Olean podcast. Mm. Fatal conveniences. Uh, recycling is one, and he's got a lot on plastics. Um, it's really interesting. 
I think like when we know when we know these things, it inspires us to to do better. Um, you know, we can do a whole episode on recycling, but uh, yeah, not all not all recycling is is made equally. It's not. A lot of it just ends up in the incinerator, and I think uh, you know that's part of pushing our cities to be more transparent and honest with uh, our recycling and our our compost and our, our waste systems that we have in our cities. Yeah. Um, kind of touched on this one with the buy the buy the secondhand toys, but trading old toys with your friends. I think that's fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, get new things all the time. Um. If the toy or book is new, looking for options with little or no packaging. I'm always like amazed with how much packaging can go into like a little four inch toy. You know, there's more packaging than there is toy. Insane. So, I mean, again, that's one of the perks of, of secondhand. There's, there's no packaging left at that point. Yeah. But if you are buying new, you know, there are lots of um, package free options or, yeah. or minimal, minimally packaged options. So considering yeah. some of those. One thing I heard a couple of years ago, I've never done it, but I've I've thought about it. Um, pretty much every time I've bought something from a store and it's got all this like packaging, is uh, and I can't remember where I heard it, but someone was talking about it. and They said, "Listen, if you, as the consumer, purchase something and it's got like an insane amount of packaging, you are like allowed, or you know, you, you can take the packaging." out and just take your item home and leave all of the packaging like at the store hmm. now it just kind of pushes the problem to someone else right and i was like well i don't know if i'd ever do that because it's like kind of like a jerk move that just now someone else has to deal with it but they said that if people start doing that what happens is the store then is like communicates to whatever the wholesaler and it's like there's too much packaging which communicates to this person and it's like that kind of up the chain effect of like people keep buying these tvs and like taking out all the packaging and are just leaving with the tv and leaving all of the boxes and packaging and stuff here and we have to deal with it you need to find a way to like package these things with less packaging and i remember thinking like oh i wonder if that would actually work or make a difference but Anyway, as we said at the stop, we're just kind of like sharing random yeah, thoughts. But that was sure. something, it's always stuck with me when I've like come home or, you know, and you're, there's just like, why is this need to be wrapped in plastic? Like there's no need for this thing in this box to be wrapped in plastic, to be wrapped in another piece of plastic covered in this. It's just like so wasteful. Yes. And, you know, we, we recently picked up some some furniture and I was so impressed because the packaging was so minimal and it was like, I noticed right away. And then I went to their website and that was one of their things they stood behind is like as minimal waste and packaging as possible. And it's like, everything was fine. Nothing was weirdly like, and it wasn't all wrapped up in plastic and yeah, bubble wrapped to, you know, a million things. I was like, this is, I really appreciate this. I think that's a good point too. Like celebrate the this businesses and small businesses that are uh, making an effort and making a difference. Like I know we had, Becky Brower from Fresh Prep before yeah. like she's, you know, Fresh Prep is making meal delivery options with zero waste uh, options available. So looking for those businesses that are, are offering the things that you love with less waste and, yeah. and maybe giving them a little kudos, a little shout out so that other people can know what's good, you know? Totally. Yeah. All right. Um, Dean, this is one that you do, you've done a few times with your girls and I think it's awesome. 
uh, doing a park cleanup. Oh yeah, yeah. They, we love doing that. Well, and here we live so close to the to the the coast, like the Fraser River. Right, we're so fortunate that way, and that we'll just go out, especially now in like the summer. You know, when it's nicer out in the evening, and we've got you know an hour, an hour and a half to kill before bedtime. Eat some dinner, and then we'll just go out for like a little walk. The kids love to go explore the beach. And like living by the river here, there's just always garbage washing up. And so we'll just bring, you know, maybe a little glove or sometimes they come out with their, the tongs, right? And they want to, the yeah, and they want to pick stuff. So, you know, bring a bag along or a, or a bucket or whatever and scoop up and we just like pick up garbage as we go. And, you know, they, again, we talked about like gamifying it or whatever. They have so much fun because it's kind of like, okay, who's going to find like a yellow piece of garbage? Right. Or like who can find, you know, the biggest or whatever. And so they go out and they're searching because they're like, oh, I found this one. And they put it in. It's like, I need to find a yellow one. Like, where's the yellow one? So they're actively having fun exploring their environment with the intention of like finding something that's like shouldn't be there that they can remove. Right. And then we again, it's like, like I said, at the hop, it's it's those conversations that come up like, why would someone throw this away? Or like, how do you think this got here? Right. It's like, well, maybe it fell off a boat or maybe someone threw it overboard or, you know, maybe who knows? Like, what's the story of this piece of trash? Well, now its story is like we're taking it out of the environment. Right. And then if we can recycle stuff, we can recycle it. And if it's yeah, you know, and some like my oldest daughter, Naya, like she loves to collect things and. We have a collection of like, you know, old like vintage glass bottles that she's found, right? That she wanted to keep as like a treasure. And so it's up on her, you know, shelf or up in her room or whatever. But it's like, it's not sitting there in the, in the, you know, at the beach anymore. Yeah, so, I love that. Yeah. I remember as a kid, I used to like create all these stories when we do beach cleanups. Like this came from yeah. Japan or this came from Australia and like imagining some other kid with it somewhere else in the world. And right. You know, traveled all the way here and it's landed here and you know sometimes I would make art or you know crazy things out of you know beach trash yeah um, which can be kind of a game and, and fun as well totally um, if you live close enough to your school or wherever you're going you know riding your bike or walking to school versus yeah. getting a ride I think that's you know there's obvious benefits to that you're getting fresh air you're getting some exercise Maybe you're getting some social time with your kids or mm-hmm. they're getting some social time with their friends before, you know, racing to school also like teaches time management. So kids are your children are, are giving time to get there. So they're not just always in a rush. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great one. It's a good one. Yeah, for sure. And it's like it's a, there's just something so great. Like I often don't. I'm, I don't do school drop off with the kids right now, just schedule wise, but the times where I can or have, and we've been able to walk because, you know, we have the time in the morning and we're close enough. Like it's, it's the best, it's the best thing ever. Right. It's just the conversation is just different while you're walking. Right. Instead of like the, like you say, the rush and get in the car and go, 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 go. It's like, okay, we've got, you know, we got to leave now. It's 15 minutes. And then you have that 15 minutes of like, walking together it's just like i don't know something different happens when you're outside and walking different conversations they ask different questions yeah it's you can't beat it yeah walking to school with my pals and walking home was always like a highlight because it's where we'd be silly or recap the day or yeah you know that was just like playtime in a way yeah 
So, yeah, and I think always, like, going back to the why, um, just kind of reemphasizing, like, so that there is intention with these habits. Like, if you, if your kids are walking to school, riding their bike, just encouraging them and telling them, like, how that's contributing to a, you know, more sustainable mm-hmm. environment so mm-hmm. that they're feeling good about those decisions beyond the physical activity and the social time that they're getting. Right. And like with gas prices these days, any time yeah. you don't have to drive your vehicle, it's like it's better. Yes, it's better 100%. for everyone. That maybe that's steep. just maybe that's just what it takes, right? The price the price point of gas to be like that's it. You're walking to school, but either way, the whatever the whatever the motivation, the outcomes are, you know, can be kind of like the same. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Tell me what you think about this one, Dean. Choose a plant. Choose plant-based foods over animal-based foods when available. Mm. Let's talk mm, about it. I don't it. know about that. Is are do animals? I just love hot dogs, though. You know. Do animal-based foods contribute to climate change, though? How is that possible? <laughs> oh man! Yeah, just this morning I saw. You know, it's probably probably revealing that I spend too much time on Instagram. But I saw I saw like a little meme on Instagram, and it was like a person with the Joker makeup. Right? It's like obviously insinuating that that person is a clown and it's like uh being a climate activist while continuing to like consume meat (laughs) there's like the picture was obviously a clown i was like well i mean yeah it's one of the largest contributors to to the climate crisis we're in right is our over consumption of animals and animal products yeah, so yeah, livestock and their byproducts account for at least 32 million tons of carbon dioxide per year, which is 52, uh, 51% of all worldwide greenhouse gas emissions. So mm-hmm. that's just from livestock. That's not even including the agriculture, like the, the products, the foods that they we farm and grow and transport to, to feed them. them yeah. Um, so... Um, it's a big one. And I think sometimes, you know, we've got habits and comforts and it seems normal and necessary, but um, let's put our values on our plate. And if we want to stand for a, a safer, more sustainable um, future for ourselves and our children, I think, you know, looking at our plates is a great place to start. Definitely. And it can start with small changes. It doesn't have to be uh, cold turkey or cold tofu or whatever, <laughs> like, uh, it can be gradual and it can be like choosing one meal at a time. Like this lunch, I'm having a plant-based lunch. Yeah. I'm not putting my cold cuts and my cheesy, cheesy crackers and all that stuff and my carton of milk. I'm going to have some almond milk or soy milk and I'm going to have, you know, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I guess peanut butter is not allowed at school. Sun, you can have the sunflower sun, butter. Like sunflower butter. Pea butter, whatever they call it. Yeah. And jam sandwich. Yeah. Um, and it can be a talking point. Like, uh, you know, my, again, my, my four-year-old, he's like, he loves talking about like asking, like asking kids about veganism or plant-based options. And it's always asked with curiosity and compassion. And he just wants to know like if they've considered where that food comes from. Yeah. Um, because I think once you inform them, they know, and they want to do better, you know, like it's very intuitive and natural for kids to want to harm less and want to be healthy. And, you know, I think, you know, not everyone has choices over, over their, their food, but if you've got choice, uh, you've got possibility. And I think those possibilities can be good for you and the planet. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the thing is like, 
gradual and incremental. It doesn't have to be like this massive overnight shift because that can be that can be really challenging, right? And sometimes, let's be honest, it's challenging to get kids to eat what's on their plate. And so if all of a sudden, you know, the things that they love, the chicken strips and the hot dogs and whatever that they're used to and that they, they're kind of go-to things, like it definitely can be a challenge for sure. But I think that intention setting and being like, this is something we're going to try to do more regularly is like have different options that are, yeah, plant forward or fully plant-based, those meals and allow kids to, to try them and even ourselves, right? For, for some, for some grownups, it's like, we like what we like. And sometimes that's very simple. And it's like, just this stuff we've grown up with the classic Western kind of like meat and potato style. So it is, can and it definitely can be like a difficult thing to try and change. But I think it is like what you said, values, the values that we have and the things that we want to see for the world and for our children and their, the world that they're going to inherit is like, can we line that up? Can we line those values up with what, what's on our plate? Yeah, it's bring that intention. Because ultimately, like, with younger kids at least, we, we have great influence over, over the foods that they consume and that they, that they have. And why not choose foods that are um, good for our planet and good for our health and good for the oceans? Um, and that's opting into plant-based foods and out of animal agriculture for the most part. Um, and it can be fun. Like you can gamify it. Like be like, you know, did you know tofu could taste like this or trying the, you know, some of the meat alternatives just for fun to see what those can taste like. Um, and there's millions and thousands of veggies and fruits and herbs and totally that are all, you know, we usually kind of stick to a small circle of things, but if we kind of open up that possibility, there's so many new things to try. Yeah. And kids love like colors. We all love bright colors and cool things. And like vegetables are so fantastic in the array of colors they have from purple cabbage, peppers of green, yellow, red peppers, right? We've got purple potatoes and multicolored carrots and green things and every color in between. So you can kind of like play that. Oh, we're going to like try to eat some of the rainbow tonight. Like we're going to try to eat all these different colors and see what they taste like. And, you know, it's kind of like an adventure, right? And so again you know, framing is so important. Like, you know, I can remember my parents being like, you have to eat your vegetables. And then it's like, well, I don't want to now. Cause like, it's something that I have to do. Right. But if it's like, Oh no, like, you know, you frame it a little bit differently, like vegetable, it's not, you have to eat your vegetables. It's like vegetables are the meal. Then it's like, Hey, here's your supper, <laughs> like eat up. And there's other, there's other sneaky ways. Like, I don't know, not everyone has like a Vitamix or a blender, but like kids, most kids will eat pasta, right? And whether it's like a tomato sauce or whatever, it's so easy to like add sneakily so many veg into a pasta sauce because you dump it into the blender with your spinach or kale or carrots and zucchini, all of these greens. You blend it up and it just looks like pasta sauce and you pour it over the pasta and they gobble it up and they're getting all of those important nutrients and polyphenols and flavonoids and all the things that are in plants that we need and are so essential for our health. And they just gobble them up and they don't realize that they're eating kale and zucchini and mushrooms and all of these things that kids would typically like maybe be like, well, no, right? Yeah, make it fun. And we'll, we'll shout out some uh, kid-friendly cookbooks uh, when this goes live um, in our show notes or we'll do a little Instagram kind of slide slideshow. 
Um, another thing that um, you often do a great job of, Dean, is including your kids in the cooking. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think if, if they're little junior chefs and they get to participate in making the food, there's even more excitement in, like, I made this, like, I did this, this is something I made, yeah. and they want you to eat it, and they want to eat it, and uh, it's fun. They become confident little little chefs, little cooks in the kitchen. Totally. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a lot more time and effort, uh, but it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it, because they like, they like to help out and stir and, and make things, and even in the decisions, like in the mealtime decisions, like I'll often ask, like, what do you feel like? And it's not just carte blanche, like, what do you want for dinner tonight? But like, hey, I was thinking like I'm making this or this. And so they've kind of got like two options to choose from. And of course, now <laughs> with my kids, it's usually one chooses one and the other chooses the other. And then of it's course. like, okay, well, we did this one last week, so we're going to do this one. <laughs> but at least it gives them that sense of like they, they can make a choice in it and are part, are part of that for sure. So... Yeah. And smoothies have been big in our house lately. The girls have just been smashing smoothies. And again, it's like so easy to put all of the things in there, right? Like hemp, chia flax, you put a little bit in there. Good for them. Got all those omegas, good fats, good fiber, right? And got that protein, got the protein. So literally they can, they can, you know, they slurp back a little, they call like a strawberry sunshine or something. Right. And it's like strawberries, pineapple, mango, and some oat milk or something. Right. And, and then the the rest, all those extras in there, they don't, they don't know. And it's like so good for them. And they just like down them. Right. I'm like, "Mm, very good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Drink that spinach. (laughs) I'm the same. I'm always trying to sneak things in. Like, they're like, oh, we want oatmeal for for breakfast today. I'm like, great. I can add yes. in add in the hemp, the chia, things. the flax. <laughs> yes, and know that they're gonna get all these amazing nutrients. And yeah, not have any compromise on totally flavor. And that's the thing, right? They they just like because it tastes so good, and so they just drink it down, and away you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. The next one kind of works with that one. I think like learning where foods come from, mm-hmm. uh, putting names and language to things. I think same with animal based foods, like learning that they come from animals, like putting names to them so that bacon, you know, comes from, is part of a a pig and steak is part of a cow and, yeah. you know, putting language to these these things. And I think same for, for vegetables. I think planting a garden, uh, whether that's like a patio garden or on a pot or if you have a yard, like growing some vegetables or a community garden or just walking through a community garden and pointing things out so your children can learn that these plants come from the earth and they Mm -hmm. grow and they regenerate and that's what a pea looks like and that's what a tomato looks like and that's what an apple looks like and that's what spinach looks like. Um, It kind of gives them autonomy and ownership um, and understanding of of where things come from so that when they're choosing to have an apple or or some peas, they can can imagine where where it came from. Um, And it's fun. They get to watch if you plant a seed and you get to see it grow like it's the circle of life it's so, so cool yeah and nothing tastes better than like veggies picked fresh from the garden Oof, they're so just good. so good yeah yeah and then the, just that connection and education and i know that there's a lot of schools around that are doing that too where you can um they have like outdoor programs or garden programs and i, I think it's brilliant because it's connecting kids you know all of the studies are showing that we're just like increasingly more and more indoors and that that's not good for us. And so I love that during the day, uh, during their school day, right, part of their classroom is outdoors and it's exploring their environment and learning about these things like 
different foods and what can grow here and what's good for us and what's not. And so, you know, those are, those are great things that we can do in school. And those are great things that we can do after school or certainly over the summer, right. When it's so easy to grow stuff. Um, yeah. And you can do it as like a family experiment. You don't have to be a green thumb. Like it's something that you can learn together. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. A little happy medium too is like going to farmer's markets. Yes. Um, produce tastes the best at farmer's markets. looks beautiful. tastes great. Um, There's always like face painting and balloons and stuff or whatever the kids, they, you know, they, they love that kind of stuff. Right. And you can meet the farmers and, you know, they can talk about their produce and how the carrot grew or how the apple grew and have some storytelling to go with it. So I think that's a nice thing to do with the fam. Um, planting trees is always cool. Mm-hmm. Same idea as planting gardens, like seeing seeing a tree go from a little sapling to something bigger every year. Um, one of our friends of the pod, uh, Lindsay from Pecant Marketing, um, she goes with her daughter, and I, I think like once a week they plant a tree at one of the parks nearby. And um, there's some cool YouTube channels of how like individuals have grown forests. Um, there's some in India and Israel. Uh, it's amazing what you can do, you know. Um, you know, every tree is like a habitat for for bugs and animals, and it's its own world in in a sense. So yeah, you can grow your own world. So true. So good. Um, fun one for Finn is just asking their friends if they know if they know about climate change. Mm. Um, if they don't, it's a conversation, and they get to kind of navigate uh, why it's important in their own way. And ask questions in their own way. It's it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Finn Finn's curious uh, with other kids, and I think it usually will go again, like we mentioned earlier, up up the food chain. Like if if our kids are talking about it, maybe they'll bring it up with us, the parents, mm-hmm. and it'll just kind of create an ecosystem of curiosity and and asking questions and bringing intention into those decisions. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What else we got, Dina? Well, there's always, uh, we talked a little bit of like park cleanups and stuff like that. Um, but you can always donate money and time, right? Those things are two of our greatest commodities. Time maybe being more so than money. But yeah, like uh, kids sometimes, I don't know if kids still get allowance these days. Our kids are like, I think they're too young. They just like earn maybe they earn a couple bucks if they like help out, but taking some, some time to donate, um, you know, to volunteer, there's like the great shore cleanups. There are lots of like local, uh, initiatives that look after different sections of our province, whether it's like park cleanups or these things you could participate in and donate some of your time to that. Of course, right. You can talk about donating money. Um, if kids get an allowance, maybe like part of that, you teach them like the value of sharing and contributing to something like bigger than yourself. And so it's like, yeah, let's donate some of our allowance. You know, if that's a thing in your household to, to a, a charity that you choose, right. Just recently at the school that the girls go to, they had like a charity walk it was like a gallery walk, but it was like students from one of the older classrooms um, learned about different charities. And then they got to choose one that they were like, you know, resonated with them. And then the rest of the school was invited to like go through this like gallery of charities chosen by these students. And, you know, the the email newsletter just said, hey, if they could bring like 
a few quarters or whatever, some spare change, and then the students can go around and whatever charity they like, they can donate to that, right? And so it was really cool. So you send the girls with just like, you know, whatever, a couple bucks in, in quarters each. And they went around and made donations to the different charities that they liked. So one was like, Naya like donated to like saving, you know, um, preserving like the Arctic or whatever for polar bears. And I can't remember all of them, but it was cool stuff. And it was like student led which is awesome. And then the initiative was like, Hey, like you can actually give some of your money away to like help these causes. And so there's so many cool things that are going on out there, but simply sharing of our resources, time and money can be, can go, can go a long way. That's a big one. Yeah. Okay. I've got a few more and then we can wrap it up and see what, um, what thoughts our our listeners have. I'm sure there's like a zillion things we can add to this. Yeah. Um, staying on that kind of secondhand idea. Uh, same with books, you know, buy secondhand books, but also use the library. The library mm-hmm. is this incredible resource with all the new books, all the classics, all the old books, and you can get new books every single day if you want, you know, for free. For free. Yeah. The libraries Scandal. Are, are incredible. So use the library. There's lots of them. Um, you can get the latest and greatest and all the cool things. And it's such an adventure to like go pick out a few books, you know? Yeah bring them home and discover the adventures that await. Um, if your kids are old enough, this is kind of a fun, like junior activist one writing to politicians. Mm-hmm. How inspiring is that to have kids, children writing politicians being like, this is, this is our, uh, planet that we're going to be inheriting from your generations. And, and we don't want it to be a mess. Yeah. We want to, we've got some questions. We've got some questions <laughs> yeah, and maybe yeah. we've got some solutions. <laughs> totally. Um, so, you know, little handwritten letters to local politicians asking them what they're doing for climate change. And here's some ideas that, you know, we have, I think is, is great. Yeah. Um, and, uh, back on that book side, I guess there's, there's tons of amazing climate, uh, books about climate change and the environment and shows on, on television. So just kind of like bringing that education into your household eco chamber. Yeah. Ecosystem. Um, I think that's like most of the big ones here. One, one important one that we have here is, is self-love, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. learning to love ourselves, teaching our kids to love ourselves because, uh, if we can't love ourselves, it's, it's hard to love our planet and our environment. Um, so bring some self-love and some time for yourself into your day so we can love ourselves yeah love ourselves love our planet you know they go together it's very good very good and very necessary yeah there are so many more things that can be done and can be talked talked about and touched on and like you said earlier there's probably lots that uh, even you the listener know um so always feel free to share it to add it comment uh send us a note let us know but hopefully Hopefully, uh, some of these were helpful, resonated, and like I said, if you're if you're a parent uh, of young people or you're connected to little ones in some way, um, hopefully this was like a a bit of an inspiration and opportunity to, to remind ourselves of like really the simple things that we can do. You know, even if we each took like one of these things and said, "Oh, okay, I'm going to try to implement this," like it would have a big impact. And so that's what's really cool is it doesn't, you don't have to do it all. You don't have to do it all perfectly, but just like those little steps, those little decisions incrementally every day add up to a huge influence and impact over time. And that's 
you know, that's the goal, right? It's not about being perfect, but it's just about making, making little steps of progress along the way. All right. Thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, let us know what you thought and what ideas you have. We'd love to hear more suggestions, more ways to, to love, love our environment, to love our planet, to be allies um, with our planet. So let us know your thoughts. Let us know what things you do with your family, what mm-hmm. ideas or suggestions that um, you know we should all consider. And, and just like Dean said, bringing that intention in, in small ways can domino to big things. It doesn't have to be intimidating or scary. Uh, just make small choices, one one small choice at a time. And, uh, you know, those small choices can make the world of a difference. Yes. All right, friends. Thanks for listening. As always, we'd love for you to like, uh, leave a review, leave a comment about your favorite way to uh, fight climate change. And, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you all. All right. See you all next week. Peace.